Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. All right. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. This is the Grace for This City podcast. I'm Justin, and we're so honored, friends, that you are tuning in today. Wherever you are watching from, we're in right now over 155 nations. Wherever you're watching from, we say thank you. Hallelujah. Don't forget, share this with somebody that you think it would be a a blessing to. Let's jump back in. We're going to pick up from our thought from last week. and We're talking about the apocalypse of the antichrist we're talking about the revealing of the antichrist if you got your bibles turn with me to second thessalonians chapter 2 verse 8 we'll recap slightly but here it says and then if you remember from really the last three podcast episodes we've kind of dealt with this issue here we're talking about the departure of the church uh, last week i think we really i mean at least from this passage here wow to me it seems so clear like if you pull back to the thirty thousand foot view to me, it's extremely obvious what he's talking about here. Second Thessalonians 2, 1, he's talking about our gathering unto him. Verse 3, he said, don't be deceived. There's got to be a departure. And then in verse 7, he says, something's got to be withdrawn from the scene. We said that there's one uh, particular Bible that says, um, that in reference to the restrainer, it's going to disappear. It's going to be gone. It's going to be off the scene, out of the midst, be gone. So we dealt with that last week in more detail. You should catch up if you haven't listened to that yet. But here... He says that the lawless one cannot even be revealed until there's this removal or a departure or a distancing of the force that is restraining him. We say we believe that that is obviously, according to 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in us than he, the spirit of Antichrist that's in the world. Obviously, he, (laughs) who is that Christ Jesus, his spirit is the power behind that force but the body of that restraint is the church the church has to be caught up and delivered oh i love i love just doing an overview uh, an overview of first and second thessalonians we said that in the two letters paul wrote to the church you and i and specifically was encouraging them about the church being delivered saved caught up preserved gathered and departing hallelujah somebody oh i think it's pretty clear Oh, it, 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 is, it, it is encouraging, friends, to know that God has a plan. And we're told in various places uh, that we are not appointed to wrath. Um, so uh, the Antichrist, Paul's writing to them specifically because these people got all messed up, man. They were, uh, they were really turned inside out. Um, and because they had traveling ministers come by and just I mean, teach them a bunch of falsities. They had their own people that were supposedly having dreams and or visions or prophetic words saying that they were already in the time of judgment, that the day of Christ, the second coming, you know, was they were right in the middle of it. Um, and then um, they had letters that were forged. And so Paul's clearing all this up. And he says, look, that day will not happen uh, unless two things happen first, the departure and then the man of sin being revealed. So we're in verse 8. We're catching up from where we left off last week. But right here, he said, and then. So all these other events, last week's podcast, all that has to take place. And then the lawless one will be revealed. And we said that that's the Greek word apocalypto. This is the apocalypse of the Antichrist. Apocalypto means 
uh, revelation or revealed, being revealed, a revealing or a revelation. And uh, it's a compound of oppo, oppo, away, and calupto. Oppo and calupto, you add those together, you, you get apocalypto. And it means something veiled, covered, concealed, or hidden. When you combine these two compounds, or these two uh, words, this you get this compound word. Uh, then we get a word which depicts a veil that has been removed, exposing what is behind the veil that was previously concealed or hidden from view. When the Holy Spirit's restraining power through the church has been withdrawn, there will no longer be any force present to hold back the evil forces. Therefore, this evil leader who has been concealed and hidden from public view will suddenly appear. In that moment, it will seem as if a stage curtain has been pulled out of the way so that he, referring to the Antichrist, can begin to make his grand appearance to the world. Listen, he can't even begin to start this revelation process. He can't even begin to be revealed until whatever's training, which we believe the church is removed, withdrawn, disappears off the scene, out of the midst is gone, caught up, harpazo, raptured, out of the way. Now, um, let me read something to you uh, from the RIV. It's called the Renner Interpretive Version of the Bible. This is 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 6 through 8. This is what it says. It says, now in light of everything I've told you before, you ought to be well aware by now that there is a supernatural force at work preventing the materialization of this person and the disclosure of his identity. This restraining force I'm referring to is so strong that it is currently putting on the brakes and holding back the unveiling of this wicked person, stalling and postponing his manifestation. But when the right moment comes, this evil one will no longer be withheld and he will emerge on the world scene. The scene, excuse me, the screen that has been hiding his true identity and guarding him from worldview will suddenly be pulled back, uh, pulled back and evaporate. And he will step out on center stage to let everyone know who he is. These events have been covertly in the making for a long time, but the world doesn't realize that a secret plan is being executed right under their own noses. The only thing that has kept this plan from already becoming consummated is the supernatural force that has been holding it all back until now. But one day this force will be removed from the picture, and when that happens, these events will quickly transpire. The removal of this restraining force will signal the moment when the lawless one will finally make his grand appearance to the world. That was 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8 in the RIV or the Renner Interpretive Version of the Bible. And uh, uh, that's Rick Renner. He's a Greek scholar. And what he does, he takes all those Greek words, uh, breaks them down, gets all the various definitions, the nuance to these words, and then he puts them back. It's kind of like an amplified version of the Bible, as you can tell there. And so that's that's what we're seeing here. This cannot even begin. This grand appearance to the world. He's not on center stage right now, friends. Let me tell you what is center stage right now, and it's the church. Until the church is done with its intended purpose in the earth right now, the Antichrist cannot come on the scene. Now, let's go to Revelation chapter 4. I'm going to show you something today. And uh, again, like we said last week, uh, you know, the whole of rapture theology is not hinged on this one passage of Scripture here. This is just another place 
uh, in the Bible, and particularly in Paul's writings, where uh, you can see this mystery that he was commissioned to reveal. It's no longer a mystery now. He's talking about the rapture of the church and the plan that Jesus told him personally about as it concerns the church being the group of people that are going to be delivered from the hour of trial or the uh, wrath that is to come. They're going to be delivered from it. And so I'm going to show you another place here where we can see um, rapture, and, and, and I'm calling it rapture theology. There may be a better technical phrase. I don't know what that is. Um, you know, I just, that's how I'm phrasing it at, at this point. But I'm going to show you in the book of Revelation where we can see that the church uh, is in heaven at a certain point in time. This is very important. These little details here are important to help encourage us that as Jesus revealed to Paul and Paul uh, shared about it through his letters to us, even though there's been lots of confusion in, in our day because of various perspectives that counter it, I want to show you in the Bible here where you can take comfort and be encouraged and know that, yes, there is a rapture of the church, and, yes, it will happen before the tribulation period. So look at this in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Remember, this is John. So this is uh, the revelation of Jesus. This is the book of Revelation. This is the apocalypse. Uh, This is the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, the revelation of, of Jesus. Um, again, because apocalypto is translated as revealing or revelation. But here, John, he's having this vision. And uh, he hears this voice, and the voice says, come up here, and I'm going to show you things which must take place, very, very important, these last two words, after this. All right, now let's go to Revelation chapter 1. Let's, let's find out what he's talking about here. Revelation chapter 1, look at verse 19. Write the things which you have seen. Okay, let me get my Bible here. This is red letters. What does that mean? Well, it means this is Jesus Christ himself speaking. So Jesus is telling John something very, um, very important here. Jesus says, I want you to write three uh, divisions of things or three segments of things. Number one, write the things which you have seen. Number two, write the things which are. And then lastly, Jesus says, and write the things which will take place after this. This is very important here. Now, we're not trying to make this more complex than necessary. We're not trying to make this confusing. There's no need to add things that are unnecessary. Let's just keep it simple. But the Bible, everything in the Bible, even the numbers, everything in the Bible are there for a particular reason. All right, so here's Jesus. He's telling Paul, excuse me, not Paul. He's telling John uh, that he wants him to write some things down. Now, Revelation could easily be broken up into three basic divisions. If we were going to do that, it would look something like this. Division number one, write the things which you have seen. This is what Jesus said here. Write the things which you have seen. And that would include, like in Revelation chapter one, we're in chapter one here. This is like uh, where John saw uh, Jesus standing in the midst of the candlestick had a revelation of Jesus Christ right here, all right? The second division would be the second thing that Jesus told him. 
write the things which are. Or we could say it like this, write the things that are current or things that are for right now. This was things that Christ was going to show, Jesus was going to show John about the seven churches or the churches on the earth. This section concerns the church age. Um, Division number one is in chapter one. This division, the second division, if we were going to divide it up, when Jesus said, I want you to write the things that are, well, this was things that were happening right then, real time in John's day. So it, it it concerned those seven churches, or we could just say the church age. That division is between chapter 2, verse 1, through chapter 3, verse 22. Then the last division, or the third division, Jesus told John, write the things that will take place when? After this. Well, after what? Well, after John's current day, which had to do with the churches, which had to do with the church age. And this division concerns events um, that don't concern the church. These events, which we'll find out were future, future events. These concern all the nations, all the Gentiles, and all the non-born again folk, and then the Jews, specifically Israel. Um, all these events did not concern the church, but rather these events were the judgments that were awaiting the people on the earth after the departure of the church. This third division starts in Revelation chapter 4 and really goes through the rest of the book. So there's three divisions of the book of Revelation. You have the things that you have seen, Jesus revealing himself to John. Then the things that Jesus was going to talk to him about that are now, which you and I would understand that as the church age. This is God's dealings with the church age because the church is center stage right now, friends. The ecclesia, God's dealing. We're right in between Daniel's 69 and 70th week. Some people call it Daniel's gap. This is unallocated time. This is where the mystery of the church came into play. This is, remember when Jesus was telling his disciples, he said, there's things that I want to tell you, but you can't bear them now. He said, you'll have to wait till after the Holy Spirit comes. Well, it was after that the church was birthed that the revelation concerning the church came. Daniel didn't see any of that. That was a mystery to Daniel. In fact, in Matthew 24, when the disciples are asking Jesus about the end of the age, the church was a mystery to them. We know this because Paul tells us that in the book of Galatians. He talks about the time frame of when he heard these things and when he went and talked to Peter about it for the very first time. Peter didn't receive that revelation. Paul did. And so at the time that they were asking Jesus about the destruction of the temple, uh, about his coming and the end of the age, different things like that, Jesus did not disclose the mystery of the church to them. He simply told them uh, things concerning uh, AD 70. In particular, you can see that in Luke, Luke 21, there would be certain things specific to the destruction of the temple in AD 70. Then in Matthew 24, then he goes to the end of the age. He skips 2,000 years because there were things that he wanted to tell them, but they couldn't bear it yet. They needed to be born again. It wouldn't have made any sense to them if until after they were literally born again of the Spirit. Then that revelation would, would, would be truly a revelation of God to them. They could bear it then because they'd have the guide on the inside. They would have that unction from within, and they would understand all things. So in Matthew 24, Jesus is telling himself, and and he's not even talking about the church at all there. 
it wasn't until Paul came on the scene that now we had uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ as it concerns the church and the fact that the church is the one group of people that's going to be on the face of the earth that are actually appointed uh, to escape the wrath which is to come. All right, now, John's getting his turn. (laughs) Oh, praise God. He's seeing some very vivid things, and it's just settling in him. It's just... uh, you know, it, it, it's just doing something on the inside of him. It, it is uh, anchoring something. He saw a lot of things. Um, he, he saw a lot of sim- symbolism, but uh, it just anchored some anchored deep in his soul. Hallelujah for the revelation of John. And, and, and it's doing the same thing to you and I today. Again, uh, it could be broke up into three divisions. The things which you have seen, the things which are current, church age, and the things that are to take place after the church age. All right, now let's go back to chapter four, because this is literally now this voice. What was it? Is it um, he heard this voice like a trumpet? I don't, I don't know who's speaking here, but he heard this voice is saying, "I'm going to show you things that must take place after God's dealings with the church." So this is all future from chapter four on. This is all future. John is having access. This vision is granting him access to see what was going to happen in the future. After the church age, these events are going to take place. All right. Uh, Verse 2, Revelation 4-2. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Again, John seeing this all future. Um, this isn't current because uh, the day which you and I live in is the day of grace. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Probably, historically speaking, they think that was probably the last song that uh, the disciples and Jesus sang together uh, before his crucifixion. You can find that in the book of Psalm, uh, Psalms. And um, but what day is that? What day? This is the day that the Lord has made. What day is he referring to? We're talking about the day of grace. Hallelujah. The day in which you will get born again. Oh, praise God for that. Um, right here. So immediately I was in the spirit. And behold, a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. Verse 3. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the throne I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes. And watch this detail here. Now, remember, this is future. This is future. In the vision, uh, in earth time, this hadn't happened yet. In the vision, John was seeing the future. The voice said, these things will happen after the things which are in John's vision. So the Jesus said the things which are had to deal with the churches. Okay. And um, we're not the Laodicean church, by the way. If you want to break it up like like that, uh, I would say we're probably more like the Philadelphia church because Jesus said to those who are watching, I come quickly. And there, those were the ones that had the promise of deliverance from the hour uh, of trial. Um, but so... This is, this is future. Now, the details here are very important. Notice what John sees in the future. He sees the throne. He sees one sitting on the throne. Then he sees 
um, what looks like jasper and sardius stones. Um, then he sees a rainbow around the throne. Then he sees uh, 24 thrones. Uh, and then he sees 24 elders, which is where we get the word presbyterios uh, or presbytery. He sees elders and notice these details. They are what? They're clothed in white robes and they have crowns on their heads. Um, one second. I was going to look up this verse. I'm looking it up right now because I forgot to um, uh, get the verse here. Let's see here. Um, the righteous. One second. I should have looked this up before. Um, let's see here. Yeah, in second. Uh, Timothy 4.8. Is that where that's at? Let me turn there real quick. These details are very important, friends. Hallelujah. Everything in the Bible is extremely important. Okay, 2 Timothy 4.8. Let me see here. He says, I fought the good fight. This is verse 7. 2 Timothy 4.7. Uh, no, in fact, let's look at verse 6. So Paul says, he says, I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand <laughs> the time of my departure is at hand i have fought the good fight i have finished the race i have kept the faith finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the lord the righteous judge will give to me on that day and not to me only but also to all who have loved his appearing hallelujah notice John sees these elders and they already had white robes and they already had their crowns. What are these crowns? These are crowns given to the overcomers, friends. Notice the elders. Now, John's seeing this in, in, in the future here. The elders that represent the church, the, the, um, the household of faith, uh, they had already uh, been judged. They've already stood at the judgment seat of Christ. They've already been to the Bema seat and have already received their crowns. Wow. Look at this in verse 10. Then the 24 elders, they fell down before him who sits on the throne and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will, they exist and were created. You know, there's a song that we sing that's based off this passage of Scripture here. What is, what is going on? Well, this hasn't happened yet. This is to take place after the things which are the church age. John's seeing into the future a series of events that are going to transpire here. Now, John's caught up, and he sees this as a foretaste of being born again himself. Obviously, nobody that isn't born again is getting caught up in see, seeing these scenes, friends. No. John's getting a preview of things to come, and he's writing for us. Jesus told him to write these things because you and I were going to need them. Uh, look at uh, chapter 5, Revelation chapter 5. And you can go back and you can find all the references in chapter 4 and chapter 5, uh, all the detail nuance that John's seen of the elders. Now, that's very important. I'm going to make a point here and just say, I, I, I think I already did, basically, but 
the fact that the elders are there in robes and crowns means that the church is already present here. He, Hebrews eleven thirty nine and 40 says that, uh, you know, the hall of faith, we're talking about all those who are of the household of faith. So that includes some Old Testament uh, saints. Obviously, it includes New Testament saints as well. Um, but uh, that's why the 24 elders, because it's a combination of both what you and I might know as Old Testament saints and New Testament saints. Um, but but all those who have overcome by faith, Hebrews 11, 39, and 40 says that we're not made par- perfect apart from each other. There's no way that these guys have already gone on and uh, been to the Bema seat without us. No, friends. Uh-uh. That's why uh, at the rapture, at the harponzo, at the being caught up when we receive our bodies, guess who rises first? Well, the dead in Christ. These would be saints who have died before us, including some of the Old Testament saints of the household of faith, anybody in the household of faith that has died before you and I, if we're alive at the time of the rapture, but anybody who's died in Christ, they're going to rise first as part of their uh, rewards. They're going to be honored first, and then uh, we will be caught up second. Uh, We'll be transfigured in the air. We'll meet together in the air, and then we'll be drawn up to him uh, because he appears in the clouds. Um, but, but, But see, we're... After that event, after the resurrection of, of the saints and our glorification of the transfiguration of our bodies, after that, the church together, the household of faith together, goes to the judgment seat of Christ. Not before. Uh, nobody is going on before us because we're not made perfect apart from one another. In fact, they're still anticipating the total climax of, of this thing, if you consider it like a, like a runners in a baton race, just because the first runner passes the baton off, they don't go off and uh, celebrate at the Bema seat. They don't go to the uh, award stand and receive their medals, not while there's other runners still on the field. This is why this detail is so important, friends, because John sees that the elders, the, the, the uh, presbyterios, those who represent all the overcomers, they have already received their crowns. What does that tell us? That means the church is there. The church has already stood at the Bema seat and received their rewards for deeds done in the body. Hallelujah. Woo, check this out. Now they're singing a song. Again, John is having a vision of the things that will take place after the things that are current age, church age. He sees that the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat, where the New Testament saints are also judged, has already taken place. Crowns have already been given to the faithful overcomers. Again, this is future, so this is why he can see it like this. Now, in chapter 5, you'll see in verse 5, it talks about the elders. He sees the elders again. Um, he's talking about uh, he was weeping because there wasn't anybody worthy to receive the scroll. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Verse 6, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. John, seeing all of this, this is future, hasn't happened yet, but he's seeing the future, Jesus said, write down, things that are to come, things that are to happen after your current time or the church age, after my dealings with the church, 
these events will begin to transpire. Now go over to um, verse 8. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, look at this in verse 9, you are worthy to take the scroll, man. Oh, hallelujah. And to open its seals, for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. You have redeemed us by the blood. Who is singing this song? It is the church. It is the overcomers. It is the household of faith present right here. They're typified by the elders being present there. You have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation. This is Christ's inheritance. This is why these folks right here are the body and the bride of Christ. Verse 10, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Very shortly, we will be returning with him. As soon as he cracks open all those seals and opens that scroll, we're going to return with him. Then I looked, John said, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. I heard the voice of the living creatures. I heard the voice of the elders. And notice this. And he heard the voice um, of a number that was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. One translation uh, uses the word myriad. It's an old word for millions. These were millions of voices he heard. Millions and millions of voices. Remember uh, Jude, the book of Jude, he's talking about the thousands and thousands of the saints. This is that scene right there. Was that Jude? Um, there's only one chapter in the book of Jude. Was it Jude 14? Let's see here. Uh, now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also saying, Behold, the Lord comes. He returns with what? Thousands, with ten thousands of his saints. So I think John is seeing something very similar here. He is seeing this uh, 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands, and they're all singing this song. They're saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then verse 13, and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, bless uh, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Wow, friends. Now, real quick, because we're out of time today on the podcast, but look at chapter six. Now, I, one thing I wanted to do today was show you another perspective of the rapture of the church. Right here, when John sees the future, he sees that the church is already present. Uh, this is seen by what he saw with the elders already having their crowns and their white robes. They've already stood at the judgment seat of Christ. They've already been to the Bema seat. They've already been uh, rewarded for their deeds done while they were in the body. This is the church that's already been there. And guess what's happening here? According to, to John's vision, the church is witnessing all this transpire. Chapter 6, watch this. Now, I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. This is the first seal being opened here. 
And I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a loud voice like thunder, come and see. Verse 2, John says, I looked. Now, this is all future. Notice who's there. John sees the church there. And now everybody is witnessing uh, the uh, Jesus who received the scroll and then Jesus cracking the first seal. Notice the first action or result or consequence maybe of the first seal being opened. This is in verse 2 because remember one of the creatures said, come and see. The seal was cracked. The creature said, come and see. John's looking now. John is looking. And behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. What is the result of that first seal being opened? Let me tell you what it is, friends, in case you don't know. That man on that white horse who was given a bow and a crown and the ability to go out and conquer, that's the Antichrist right there. Listen, if we go back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we find out that the Antichrist cannot even begin the process of being uh, revealed until there's a removal of the restraining force. Here in chapter 6, verse 2, we find out that he's not even able to start that process until he's allowed to do so. So Paul, Jesus Christ said, I'm going to do something. I'm going to take the church out of the earth. That will be the removal of the force, because as long as the church isn't there in the earth, the gates of hell cannot prevail. So I'm going to remove the church. They're going to uh, be taken off the scene. Then they're going to be in heaven, and they're going to witness as that seal is cracked. And what that seal does is, is in effect, we could say it gives permission. It actually enables, in a sense, the Antichrist to begin the process of going out and conquering. We find out from Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, that uh, uh, we see the seven-year period of time here, and it's broken up into two divisions. The first half, the first three and a half years, he actually brokers like a peace agreement among 10, ten kingdoms, 10 nations. And uh, right in the middle of that, though, he flips. And the last second half of that is pretty tragic, the events that play out on the earth at that time. So I, w- I wanted you to see that, friends, because right there is another perspective. John was caught up. He was able to see that the church is already in heaven before even the first seal is open. The first seal then empowers, in effect, the Antichrist to begin his very own apocalypse. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you, it's all right here in the Bible, friends. And we thank the Lord for giving us his precious word. Well, I hope you got something out of that today. Listen, share that with somebody. If you know somebody's got questions on these types of things, this is very simple. This is very basic. I I wouldn't consider this too much of a deep dive, but this is just uh, very basic, but it, it helps us to encourage ourselves in the chain of events that must take place. No friends, you will not be here during the reign or the time of the reign of the Antichrist. Praise God that we are the people that have an appointment with deliverance. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Father, for it. Hey, listen, we're out of time. If we could pray for you, you can call us 870-741-9099. One of our prayer partners will respond to you. Or you can send an email to hello at gracecitychurch.tv. That's hello at gracecitychurch.tv. Hey, I want to encourage you to 
uh, we've got a studio project going on. If you want to help us get this podcast even further into the nations, then help us build out our studio. We've got a building on our uh, property here that the Lord said we uh, could put some studios in. We have a vision to put three studios in there. One of them is a uh, remodeled podcast studio. One of them is like a sit-down interview-style type set. And then lastly is what we're calling Equippers Academy and Equippers University. It's where we can sit down. It's kind of a headshot-style type set. We can uh, record Bible content that will help even the new believer grow, even the one that's been walking with the Lord, the meat of the Word. We can produce some things that will help them as well. If you want to participate in that, go to our website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give. Select the drop-down menu and choose Studio project in advance we say thank you so much friends for making this podcast possible hey i'm justin and this has been the grace for this city podcast and until next time my friends be blessed